0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, May the 5th, 2023. It is currently 6.04 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Let me ask you a question. How much freedom should a pastor have to question, to explore theological perspectives? How much freedom should a pastor behind the pulpit have to present theological hypotheses, to present theological theses and theses and try to work them out behind the pulpit? How much freedom should a pastor have behind the pulpit to question, to explore, to, to doubt, to, to, to just struggle through different theological issues, not in the secrecy of his study, But in the openness of the pulpit where he invites the church to say, Hey, here's a theological hypothesis. I'm going to present this. Here's a theological thesis. I'm going to present. What, what do you think about this? Let's work. Let's test it. Let's, let's run it. Let's challenge it. And you invite the church through the process. What do you think? How much freedom do you think a pastor should have? Or at what point that should the church be like, nope, sorry, too much questioning, too much exploring. You've crossed the line. You are out of here, right? You are fired, right? You are gone. You have to resign. You have to step down. Too much trouble. Too much difficulty. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a fair question. How much freedom does a pastor have? Or... In a roundabout way, I know this is not, I know Christians are not going to like this, but in a roundabout way, is the pastor really just kind of a paid messenger boy? And, and now listen to what I mean by this. I know you're going to be like, well, yeah, he he's just to bring God's message to the people. Yeah, but nobody agrees on exactly. <laughs> I mean, we can go through all the disagreements in the world of Christianity. But I, I mean this, is the pastor simply the messenger boy? to only give the people what the people want. I mean, if, if you really, and I, I know this is very cynical. I know it's very, 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 very negative. But in a roundabout way, the people are like, this is the kind of preaching we want. These are the kinds of sermons we want. This is the doctrine we want. You give us what we want or you are gone or we are gone. Now, it may not always be that dramatic. It may not always be that explicit. It may not always be that blunt. But is there kind of an unspoken, an unspoken agreement? An unspoken rule? Hey, you stand behind the pulpit. You, there's a, this is, this is how far your freedom sh- should go. But these are the kind of sermons we want. This is the length of sermon we want. This is the kind of preaching we want. And if you deviate from that, we're gone. And if enough people go, well, then either the church, the leadership of the church will step in to go, oh, we got to save the church or we're going to lose the church. He's got to go. He's got to go. So then the pastor is forced out or the pastor can maintain his position, but more and more and more people leave because the pastor is not giving the people what they want. I mean, I know we love to describe church as the man of God ascends the steps of the pulpit. He opens up the word of God and he says, thus saith the Lord. And the people listen and the people reverence the word of God and they love the preaching and they desire the preaching. I I know that that's kind of our romanticized version of church, but the reality is the pastor stands behind the pulpit and he's always, in a sense, walking on eggshells. Yeah, got to please the people. You got to please the people. You got to please the people. And, pe- and people say, I don't want a pastor who tries to please me until they don't please you. And then you're like, he's got to go. You see, everyone's all for reverence and respect and honor and And obeying their spiritual leaders until the spiritual leaders say, do what they don't want. And then it's not about reverence or respect. Then the people will say, we are standing for the word of God and the pastor isn't. So we have to get rid of him because everyone, that's the thing in Christianity. Everyone claims God is on their side. And every church split, both sides always believe God is on their side. They've got scripture. They've got the right doctor. Everyone always believes God is on their side. So when it comes to a pastor, what is a pastor really other than a glorified messenger boy and the message he's delivering is not the message of God, but the message that the church approves? Now, in a podcast, now, well, even in podcasting, it's a little bit like this. Now, if you if you depend on the podcast for your income, you really then have to try to figure out who your audience is, and you got to give them what they want, and you either have to monetize your podcast or give the people what they want, or guess what? They won't support you. So even in Christian podcasting, I think, and again, are you just a glorified messenger boy? Remember, that was that was the whole thing with Fox News and everything that came out because of the Dominion lawsuit. Remember, Fox News was in a little bit of a panic behind the scenes. Like, we're going to lose our audience. We're going to lose. We got to we got to do this and we got to say this and we got to we're going to lose our audience. We got to keep our audience. We got to give the people what they want. Feed them what they, If they want to hear that the election was stolen, feed it to them. If they want to hear that Donald Trump is the greatest, even if we despise him, give them what they want. I wonder if the if, if pastors just are there to give the people what they want. It's almost like, hey, guys, you write the sermon. You just leave it up on the pulpit. I'll come up there and preach it. And I'll give you that sense of, of authority and a sense of enthusiasm and a sense of spirituality and a sense of power. And, and we can all play our parts. And you like, amen, brother, we support you. And everyone plays their part. And then we all go home. I know that's negative, as negative, as negative, as negative it can be. But I just wonder how much actual freedom is there in the pulpit. I know, I know you don't get a lot of freedom on Christian radio. <laughs> okay, I, I know that because I got kicked off Christian radio, even though I did not violate one stated rule. <laughs> they didn't give me one rule, but I get kicked off the air. Because there, there's only so, there's only so much you can say. You can't say this. You can't say this. You can't say that. You can't say this. I've told you the story about Charles Stanley before. He, you know, his little in touch magazine that comes out every month. It's a devotional magazine and it, it corresponds to the radio program. So Charles Stanley was going to do a sermon on the doctrine of hell. I tune into the local Christian radio station there in Omaha, Nebraska. This is in the 1990s. And I'm like, where's the sermon on hell? So we call the radio station. We decided not to air it because it could be offensive or, you know, we just didn't feel like it fit the format. So you're a Christian radio who didn't want to hear a sermon about hell. Yeah, go. Okay, whatever. Just, you know what? It's all just a joke. I just, I just wonder. Now, the reason I'm asking this question, the reason I'm asking this question this evening is because of this. Let me open up my iPad. Arizona, megachurch, Pastor Joshua Butler resigns amid controversy over book's hyper-spiritualization of sex. Now, I don't know if you remember, we talked about this entire story. Do you remember the Gospel Coalition they posted a kind of an excerpt from a book written by Joshua Butler, where he took kind of the illustration of you know a husband and a wife and Christ and the church, and as the husband and the wife engage in this physical union, this sexual union, he kind of used that to describe the union between Christ and the church, almost in kind of sexualized terms. And we kind of raised the question, "Ooh, does this? What does this mean?" And and everyone had strong opinions about it. And and uh, you know, ooh, I don't know about. The this, this could be problematic. But, well, guess what? That has, I guess, got him in so much trouble he had to resign. Here is the story. Here is the story. This was published at the Christian Post on Friday, May the 5th, 2023. Again, Arizona Church pastor Joshua Butler resigns amid controversy over books hyper-spiritualization of sex. Joshua Butler, an evangelical Christian pastor and author, resigned from the leadership of his Arizona megachurch on Wednesday following backlash over his book, Beautiful Union, in which he asserted that sex is an icon of Christ and the church. We have found ourselves in an impossible situation, Butler wrote to the members of Redemption Church in Tempe, announcing his resignation. According to a church, uh, according to a copy of the letter posted on social media. On the one hand, I feel called to step More into the public conversations, I desire to be humble, charitable, winsome, and wise. These are there are some mistakes I've made I wish to own, but also deep conviction I hold that I wish to contribute to the broader conversation. Our elders have been unanimous alongside multiple mentors and leaders I trust with redemption and beyond and affirming this his this sense of priority in this season. An excerpt from Butler's book titled Sex Won't Save You, but it points to the one who will, was published on the website of the Gospel Coalition in March. His book was officially released in April. The excerpt describes sexual intercourse in spiritual terms, characterizing sex as a man granting a holy gift to a woman and comparing it to the relationship between Jesus and the church. In the excerpt, Butler says, Sex is an icon of salvation, adding... Generosity and hospitality are both embodied in the sexual act. Think about it. Generosity involves giving extravagantly to someone. You give the best you've got to give, lavishing, pouring out your time, energy, or money. At a deeper level, generosity is given not just uh, ju- not just your res- resources, but your very self, he wrote. And what deeper form of self-giving is then, is there than sexual union where the husband pours out his very presence, not only upon, but within his wife. Hospitality, on the other hand, involves receiving the life of others. The excerpt sparked backlash for hyper-spiritualized sex. And uh, hi- hyper-spiritualizing sex and promoting problematic theology, along with being offensive to those who've been sexually abused, which you can understand. During my own years of marriage to a porn-addicted pastor, marital sex was both exploitative and robotic," wrote abuse survivor Sarah McDougal in an op-ed for the Christian Post. She contended that for survivors of adult assault or childhood molestation, tra- tying explicit imagery to the concept of salvation comes across as both insulting and profane. All right, so they they talk about some of the people and some of their strong reactions to this. All right, um. In his resignation letter, Butler cited the controversy toll on church and staff and leaders and the need to participate in public conversation about his book without harming the church. I don't want to drag redemption into the public conversation with me, he wrote. The toll of the controversy on many of our staff and leaders this month has been intense at both Redemption and other Redemption Arizona uh, congregations. While they have borne that burden well, I am concerned that my, continu- my continuing to step into the public conversation would generate distraction from the primary ministry God has called us to as a local church. As elders, we've affirmed this assessment together. In response to the feedback he received, Butler stated his intention to revise the book for future printings. He's also expressed the willingness to engage in discussions with any church members who are upset or offended by the controversy. All right. And well, then they they say his uh, photo and bio bio no longer appears on the church's website. All right. There's the, the basic concept. Now, it doesn't give what I'm not saying he was forced out. I, I, you know, it doesn't really give us specifics other than it seems like he says, I want to keep talking about it. it. This is how I'm kind of reading between the lines. I want to keep talking about it, but all of this controversy is hurting the church. So therefore, if I'm going to keep talking about it, I obviously can't be here. I got to go. Now he wasn't even, if you think about it, he was talking about it in a book. He was talking about it in other platforms. I don't know how much he talked about it behind the pulpit. But even there, ultimately led to, well, his resignation. Whether he wanted to resign, whether he felt he never didn't have a a choice, whatever you may think about it, he's gone. He's gone. So I want to take this event and just then ask the question I began with, how much freedom? If a pastor is a pastor— And he writes a book where he's exploring some theological issues, theological things that are somewhat controversial. Do you immediately remove him from the pulpit? Now, obviously we'd all, we would all agree there has to be a line somewhere, right? That a pastor can call things into question. He can explore, but everyone would, everyone would say there's a line somewhere, right? Like, you know, if you start questioning the fundamentals of the faith, the gospel, um, you know, maybe the Trinity, the deity of Christ, uh, you know. So then, then maybe we. Would, I think everyone would say there has to be a line somewhere, right? I think everyone would say that there's a line somewhere. Now, not everyone's going to agree on where that line is, but at the same time, my fear is is that many churches. They don't want their pastor to do anything. They just want their pastor to provide them what they want to hear. Even though they say that's not what they want, that's really what they want. In other words, they don't really want the pastor to stand in the pulpit and go, hey, this is confusing. Let's struggle with this. Hey, what about this? I know this is the way we've typically handled it. I'm going to put forth this hypothesis and we're going to work on it. I'm going to put forth my thesis and we're going to work on it. And we're gonna we're gonna struggle with it together as a church. In other words, his his hypothesis, his his thesis is that hey, there's something there's something in the sexual union between a man and woman in marriage, there's something spiritual there, and that it's an icon that it points to to salvation. Now, you may not agree with it, and you may think it's a crazy hypothesis and has to be challenged. I can understand that, but. It would, should a pastor be given that freedom to do so? I'm somewhat torn on this because I do believe, I look, I 1000% believe there has to be a line somewhere. They're like, there's got to be like, hey, these are the things you cannot cross. Like, these are the fundamental doctrines that you cannot Step over this line or you got to go like you got to go. You, you just you have to go. Now, some I think that list of like these is what this is what you cannot challenge, I think would be long. Some churches try to make, make it smaller. But here's what I I guess this is what I'm trying to get at. The more the church restricts that pastor's freedom, I think the more disservice they do to themselves as being a church that digs in and explores the deep, dark, difficult theological issues of the reality of Christianity. Because when you start questioning and digging into things, at times it can make people very uncomfortable. There's things in the Bible that you're like, wow. Okay, I know that's how people typically handled it. Look at what we just for a good example. Look at what we just did recently to the Song of Solomon, right? I mean, we went in in the middle of an overview of the book. I I presented what I believe was a a better way of interpreting the book that vi- that goes against basically everyone, right? I went against everyone and in my interpretation of the Song of Solomon, but I based it off not only the the kind of the the language of the book kind of what the book seems to be trying to say, the context of the book, the historical context of the book. Other scriptures written by Solomon and I and I try to put them all together and I'm like, "Hey, this is the only thing that makes sense." Now, my church gave me the freedom to do that. Other churches, I wouldn't have had that kind of freedom to go, "Well, there's all these different interpretations." And I and I went way Well, I feel like I left the highway and I went way out in the middle of nowhere, but I feel like that I offered up a very, now I threw it out as a thesis. I threw it as a hypothesis and and, and I do that over and over and over again. I'm like, I'm not being dogmatic guys. Here's my hypothesis. Here it is. Here it is. What do you think? I remember um, when we were in, you know, the book of Jeremiah, we were, we were following the historic electionary. And the the reading that Sunday old, was Old Testament Jeremiah on the New Test on the New Covenant. Jeremiah, what, 30, 31, somewhere around that area uh, where he talks about the New Covenant. And I'm right in the middle of my sermon. And we're just doing like an overview of covenant theology, right? Uh, and I, because I know it and I'm doing, and I'm using a little bit of Grudem's systematic theology and it's all going to be good. And all of a sudden in the middle of the sermon, I'm like, uh this doesn't work. We got a problem. And then I then started this whole long exploration testing hypotheses to try to figure out what's what was the correct way. My church allowed that now not uh, you know some people got very upset and got frustrated and and got upset and, and you could argue that was the beginning of some of uh, some people possibly leaving. that was kind of the beginning of the problems but uh, but i but I don't regret that. like you've got to be I, I just feel like there has to be some freedom there. But I don't think a lot of people in the pew really want that kind of exploring, that digging in. They just kind of want, hey, just give us the greatest hits. Just give us those three points. Give us that basic stuff. Give me some application. Let's not get, if we get too into this, it gets too complicated and too difficult. Now, I don't know if he should have resigned or not. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like like I said, he may have wanted to resign. It's not like the statement there comes out. I was just kind of, I read through it quickly. I apologize. But basically, if you look at the article, I mean, he does, there's nothing. I was hoping there would be someone like he resigned specifically because the church wanted him to or because he wanted to. There's There's nothing super specific. Ultimately, it's none of our business. Doesn't really matter. But it just made me think about. What can a pastor do or not do when it comes to the exploration of theological issues? And it just makes me a little worried because, see, in the, the world of academics, right? In the world of academics, a professor will get tenure. And then they have this academic freedom to do a lot of, explore a lot of things, right? They have job security. Pastors don't have that. Now, you could argue, well, that's not, that shouldn't be happening in the church. That if they want to do that kind of thing, they should become a tenured theological professor and write books on theology. You could make an argument for that. But I just always felt theology didn't belong in a seminary classroom or in a professor's office. I always felt theology belonged in the pulpit in the church. I always believed theology shouldn't be occurring by a professor in some office somewhere, that theology should be occurring in real time in the pulpit in front of the people. And the people in the pew should be a part of the process. I I believe even 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 on, on my podcast that the theology the stroke should happen right here on the in the microphone that I turn on the microphone and go guys l- let's work on this let's struggle with this let's think about this like I don't I guess I don't perceive the pe- like typically it's viewed. Now some pastors would say the people are too dumb. Like they, like they would never use those words but like that's just too much for the people that's too deep for the people and I hate when they say that the people stop telling me people are too dumb to do it P- people can do theology sitting in the pew I'm tired of that I'm tired of that now you could argue people don't want that you could make that argument. But I just think theology done behind some closed door and some professor's office. He's got tenure. He can just question and challenge anything. That never, I mean, does that ever really get down to the people? I know I'm raising lots of questions here and I'm not providing many answers, Like, I'm not, I'm not saying I agree with this pastor in, in Arizona on his premise about, you know, sex and, 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 and Christ and the church. Yeah. I, I'm not saying I agree with that. And I think it possibly goes way too far. And I think he may take one little passage and ran with it and, and make, start making it say things that was not really designed to say when it was just trying to give a very simple illustration. And then we take it and turn it into a massive allegory. I think, I think you, we could talk about the hermeneutical issues with it. But at the same time, why can't he put forth a possible interpretation of a text and then we, we, we look at it and, and we struggle with it? I, I, I just don't like the cancellation of anyone. I really don't. But I do understand there's a line you, you can cross. What, I, I guess there has to be a balanced approach. Now some of you wrote me and you could not stand what the man said you you were appalled at the article, you hated it, so you may be glad that he, he's resigned. but if if he resigns and now he's going to go pursue this conversation and pursue this line of thinking and pursue this study outside of the church, see that I, I think that should happen inside the church. See, I, I personally believe all theological study, all theological research, all theological questioning, all theological pursuit should not be happening in a seminary. I think the s- church should be the seminary. You can tell me your thoughts. News, IF at yahoo.com news i f at yahoo.com that's news i f at yahoo.com news i f at yahoo.com I yeah I'm still I'm still thinking it through they they have an article about like all these different reactions to his resignation and maybe maybe we can explore that later but I wanted to at least just bring this to everyone's attention to see what your thoughts are on it I, 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 I'm not even so much worried about his resignation. I'm just worried about how, like how people perceive what the, what, what's, what's the, I just, I just sometimes feel like that the people in the pew, you view the pastor as really just a paid messenger boy. We pay you to give us what we want and we don't want you up there, you know, raising difficult questions and putting forth theological hypotheses and, and with, and we struggle. I I don't think a lot of people want that from church. I don't know. You tell me. Newsif IF at yahoo.com. News at Yahoo.com. We'll we'll try to do something else tonight. I feel like I yet to do a, a broadcast that I'm happy with today. So at some point I'm gonna figure one out. But you know what? There it is. There it is. I, I just have to throw this out there because I'm I'm a little bit I'm still I'm trying I'm still trying to figure it out. But you can let me know. I know my perspective about church, I know my perspective about seminary, Bible, I know a lot of my perspectives are so contrary to you know Christian conferences. You know how I feel about so much of those kinds of things. So, all right, I'll start right there. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. We'll be back maybe somewhere around 9 p.m. this evening. Maybe, 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 maybe. Thanks for listening. God bless.